Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't even believe I'm slightly chuckling at that joke. I I rescind that chuckle. Welcome to I Tell My Husband the News. I'm Shannon Ray Green, a journalist at USA Today. Each week, I catch my husband up on all the stories he may have missed. He doesn't really like to read or watch the news, so I'm pretty much his sole news source. It's a big responsibility. My husband, Dusty Terrell, is a local comedian in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here, Dusty. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Hey, hon. Hey, Shannon. How are you doing today? I'm great. Happy Monday. Indeed. Did you have a good weekend? I did. I played lots of board games this weekend with some strangers and some close friends. (laughs) Yeah, I'm noticing a a habit. Yeah, whenever you don't make me travel out of town, I stay here and I play board games. How nice for you. It is great. It is nice. And I got to see some coworkers at brunch, and that was a good time. Yeah, because, you know... You don't get to see your coworkers enough when you're at work, so you got to see them <laughs> on the weekend, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do we have any cool new reviews of oh, the yeah. five-star variety? Yeah, it gave everyone the week off last week, and they didn't listen, which I'm delighted Woo! about. <laughs> we got a new review from Just Katie. Thank you so much, Just Katie. Sometimes reviewers say they wish we did our show more frequently, but Katie thinks... We do it just the right amount. You can always get in touch with us either via email at I tell my husband the news at usatoday.com or you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Shannon Ray Green. And I'm at Dusty Terrell. Have space fever? Here are five jobs that will take you closer to the stars. This was written by my colleague Eleanor Aspergren. I had space fever, but I've been taking uh, medicine for it, so. I can't even believe I'm slightly chuckling at that joke. I I rescind that chuckle. (laughs) Going to space might not be too far off for some, thanks to a renewed commitment by NASA to return astronauts to the moon by 2024 and private companies like SpaceX launching rockets seemingly every week. But astronauts soon won't be the only ones going to space. Space tourism is growing into a major market. And with the likes of Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin competing in a space race, the stars might not be so out of reach. So here's a list of jobs that may sound like science fiction now but aren't far off from becoming mainstream. You won't get to mediate legal disputes in space, but the job of space lawyer is still open to all space buffs or those interested in advising the government or private companies. There are only four universities that teach space law in the world, but two of them are in the United States at the University of Mississippi School of Law and University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Doctor of Juridical Science. 
Michelle Hanlon is a professor of aviation and space law at the University of Mississippi, and she told USA Today that there are two types of space lawyers, the traditional academic who can be a professor or international representative, and the growing advisor to companies like SpaceX. She said, quote, this is a really exciting time to be in space law. People think of space as for billionaires. They think of it for Branson and Bezos and Musk, but it's not. There are so many startups that need our help in terms of every aspect of law, not just space law, unquote. I always thought there were no laws in space. (laughs) That was the best part of it. You just go up there and there's no laws up there. Not true. You know what I would do if if I could go up to space? What would you do? Just run a bunch of red lights. Oh, man. (laughs) There are no red lights. Oh, no. Then who needs to go up there? What's the point? (laughs) I think there's red light coming from Mars. Sometimes there's red uh, stars, I think. Uh Uh-huh. And At least also in the Superman lore, there is. I what about that's a real thing? Nebula clusters, you know? Definitely. <laughs> I'm going to run right through those. <laughs> in addition to teaching international and domestic administrative law, Hanlon is the co founder of law firm For All Moonkind, which she says focuses on preserving humans' heritage in space. She said, quote, when you think about preserving our history, we have about 55 space lawyers working with us to talk about how we're going to protect those sites. Legally, we need to figure out how to get them recognized in the same way we recognize the pyramids or Stonehenge. We don't have a mechanism to do that in space yet, unquote. They're already too late. I heard Neil Armstrong just graffitied all over that that place. (laughs) Space archaeologist, a new Indiana Jones. There are other jobs that are actively safeguarding human space heritage, space historians, curators, and archaeologists. Space historians have long had a place in preserving artifacts from the Apollo and other space missions for the public. Kathleen Lewis is Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum's curator and space historian. She has been working on curating the Smithsonian's upcoming exhibition featuring Neil Armstrong's spacesuit. She told the Smithsonian Magazine, quote, This spacesuit is the one really human artifact from the Apollo program that people can identify with. That image of Neil Armstrong stepping on the moon is something that has endured for generations. Even people who don't have a personal memory recognize it as significant, unquote. Also working on preserving the memory of our space adventures are lunar archaeologists. There have been six manned landings, two manned orbital missions, over a dozen robotic landings, and more than a dozen more crash sites to the moon, which offer a look at humankind then and now. There's a demand to send archaeologists and anthropologists up to the moon to piece together and preserve human history in space. Beth O'Leary is an anthropologist at New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, and she told Smithsonian Magazine back in December 2013, quote, these sites are time capsules, unquote. The sites host valuable artifacts for archaeologists and anthropologists who want to study humanity's growing space heritage, she added. However, in order to become Space Indiana Jones, as with many jobs on this list, you have to go to school first and get at least a bachelor's degree. However, at least in the Smithsonian's case, there are volunteer opportunities. I think Space Indiana Jones is just Han Solo, isn't it? (laughs) It's funny you should mention that. Sally Ride or Han Solo? Dreams of being Sally Ride controlling the Challenger or a real-life Han Solo at the controls of the Millennium Falcon might soon be a reality. Spaceflight is already developing beyond NASA missions. However, companies like SpaceX and Boeing look specifically for astronauts. But with commercial space tourism slowly edging into common consciousness, there will be a significant increase in the need for shuttle-steering space pilots. 
Virgin Galactic, for example, is such a company aiming to transform the current cost, safety, and environmental impact of space launch. Venture capitalist Charmath Palihapitya said earlier this month that the company has had 2,500 people asked to sign up for flights, which are set to begin within a year. Richard Branson, who is the CEO of Virgin Company, said in a July 9th statement, quote, We know that millions of people are deeply inspired by human spaceflight, would love to become more involved, and ultimately experience space for themselves. By taking Virgin Galactic public at this advanced point in its development, we can open space to more investors and in doing so, open space to thousands of new astronauts, unquote. I don't know if you know this about me, Sharon, but I kind of always wanted to be a pilot. So space pilot sounds even better. <laughs> Dr. Spaceman, why do your forehead and eyes change shape after a year in space? What do days, weeks, months, or even years away from Earth and space mean for a person psychologically? How long would you actually survive if you were stranded on Mars? A number of universities, including King's College London, seek to answer these questions through space physiology and health programs through what they call, quote, training for biomedical scientists and doctors with an interest in the biomedical issues associated with space exploration, unquote. These master's programs are becoming more applicable by the day. The Mars Desert Research Station, MDRS, runs simulations of space-like events for scientists in Mars, or an environment like it, Utah, and is geared towards researching the human challenges to a space mission. There's gold in them there, asteroids. There are approximately 9,000 known asteroids traveling in orbit close to the Earth, and 1,000-odd new ones are discovered each year, according to NASA. A company called Planetary Resources is looking to harness these space rocks, which its website says can, quote, make it possible to fuel and sustain life in space, creating a new paradigm of travel and human presence in space, unquote. According to NASA, the minerals that lie in the belt of asteroids between Mars and Jupiter hold wealth equal to a staggering $100 billion for every person on Earth. Whoa. If we're talking about gold, wouldn't if you brought that much gold to Earth, wouldn't it just like super devalue gold? <laughs> yeah. But there is more to space mining than a gold rush for the sci-fi age. Taking mining off Earth could help relieve humanity's destruction of our planet's environment. The company said on its website, quote, there are an estimated two trillion tons of water available on near-Earth asteroids. This water can be used to sustain human life and as propellant for spacecraft, unquote. The Colorado School of Mines offers a variety of retraining courses for adults to get certified in this new field. Cloudy with a chance of solar flares. Space meteorology is already somewhat a job, though not in the way you would expect. According to the American Meteorological Society, space weather occurs because emissions from the sun influence the space environment around Earth, as well as other planets. AMS said in a 2008 statement, quote, Accurate space weather prediction could save society hundreds of millions of dollars a year. The need for accurate forecasting only increases. Forecasters continually monitor the space environment using both space and ground-based assets and issue alerts and warnings of a likely impact on Earth, unquote. And if your chosen field isn't on the list. It wasn't, Shannon. <laughs> don't give up on your space dreams just yet. Plenty of fields are opening up in space by the day, and even if your ideal career hasn't been invented yet, NASA aims to establish a permanent lunar base by 2024, and chances are new positions will open up soon. I noticed you didn't say space comedian, which I think will be needed. <laughs> well, you think people don't want to laugh in space? You bet they do. 
Does it all have to be space themed? All your jokes? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. What's the deal with moon food? Am I right? (laughs) You're going to have to bring out the big guns. Yeah. With your jokes. I didn't hear a lot of space journalists or podcasters either. (laughs) I wonder if there's ever been a podcast in space. One could argue that you and I are are doing our podcast in space. I mean, we're taking up space at least. <laughs> we're in a we're in a space. Yeah, we're we're in a space. USA today. Yeah. In the studio. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should strive for. First podcast on the moon. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do it. I mean, NASA may have beat us to it, but <laughs> I have no money or resources to make this happen. So <laughs> I love dreaming with you. (laughs) (laughs) No space engineer either, huh? They're going to need some software engineers. Yes, they are. Yeah, probably. Especially if people are living up there. You think that's where we should retire is on the moon? Maybe. Could be fun. Could be fun. Isn't that wild to think about that maybe we would just be able to take a little cruise up to the moon in like 30 or 40 years or something? That is so wild to think about. That seems so impossible. We're going on a cruise this summer to Bermuda. Maybe in 30 years, we'll just take one up to the moon. Hakuna Momtada. If the Lion King were real, Simba's mom would rule. This was written by my colleague, Sunya Haller. She writes, More like Lion Queen... Lion prides are matrilineal societies. That means if the Lion King were accurate, Simba's mom, Sarabi, would rule. Where's Mufasa? Where's Simba? Gone. The male of the species is transitory, according to Craig Packer, who's director of the Lion Center at the University of Minnesota. He explained this to National Geographic. Packer said, quote, Females are the core, the heart and soul of the pride. The males come and go, unquote. Disney's fact-checking is woefully lacking. Erin Biba, who interviewed Packer for her story debunking the movie, tweeted, quote, If the Lion King were real, Nala would be the star. So Robbie would be holding her up, saying, Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Simba would have left and never come back. And when Nala got old enough, Sarabi would have carved out a territory for her to rule, unquote. There's no helicopter parenting here. That's right. Female lions are less helicopter pilot parents and more like real estate warriors demonstrating how to one day run prides of their own. Biba wrote that 90% of the pride is related, and if it gets too big, moms carve out new territory for their daughters next door. As Biba writes, quote, a lion pride is all females all the time, unquote. Readers found the insight refreshing since the Lion King is now out in theaters. The family of females hunt their food, guard their territory from intruders, and decide which male lions they want hanging around the pride. Parker said that males with the darker manes usually win out. So in the case of the Lion King, the dastardly scar would have been the sexy one because of his black mane. Parker said, quote, growing a black mane is a signal you're genetically superior. He said that they indicate good physical condition, higher levels of testosterone, and they're more likely to withstand being wounded, unquote. Like a scar across your face? Huh? (laughs) Yes. Where the pride lives, how well the pride flourishes, and who the pride keeps company with is all determined by moms. Lion queens, if you will. 
you know, speaking of fact checking, another one that I think Disney might have gotten wrong is uh, animals don't talk. <laughs> not a one of them. <laughs> not those lions. Not those hyenas. Not that warthog. <laughs> certainly not that meerkat. <laughs> another thing I don't think I'm not positive but I'm fairly certain that there's never been a meerkat and a pig who have been close friends. <laughs> You're crushing people's dreams right now. Yeah. It's funny that people are saying, like, this is inaccurate. <laughs> well, it's fiction. <laughs> and last today, we've got the lightning-fast headline roundup. Does Dusty care about these stories in the slightest? Here we go. There's a trailer out for Mr. Rogers, and Tom Hanks' as Mr. Rogers is the stuff of childhood dreams. American treasures. The both of them. That's right. Owners say a seagull flew away with their dog in its beak. If the seagull population turns on us, Shannon, we are in trouble. <laughs> well, I've had seagulls come down and get ice cream from me before, and it was terrifying. Imagine now that they come for your eyes and your, your pets and no. your, your digits. Ugh. Was Fortnite just a fad? I haven't heard anyone talk about it in a while, and I never got on board, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Woodstock 50 denied. Town says safety plan is worthless. We have Coachella now. Just go to that. <laughs> Beware browser extensions. Read the fine print. Mm, but I hate reading fine print. <laughs> She's 26, the driving force behind Facebook's currency. I don't like hearing about people younger than me that are more successful than I am, Shannon. Right. Oh, yeah. My bad. You know that about me. <laughs> the city of Venice issued a $1,000 fine to two German travelers after they were discovered trying to make coffee on the steps of one of the oldest buildings in the city. And then they were asked to leave the city, according to reports from the New York Times and the BBC. I'm glad you and I didn't get kicked out of Venice. <laughs> yeah. Mind blown. Ten billion years ago, the Milky Way ate a nearby galaxy. Was it delicious? <laughs> I've heard of people eating Milky Ways, but I haven't heard of the Milky Way. <laughs> Next week on I Tell My Husband the News, well, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called the news. <laughs> I Tell My Husband the News is part of the USA Today podcast network. New episodes come out every Monday. If you want to check out other podcasts from all across the USA Today network, just go to podcast.usatoday.com. Or find them wherever you listen to podcasts, like Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>